0: You've all seen the biopic about the sad but talented little boy who finds fame and fortune before descending into a dark world of drink and drugs, but you've never seen a film that blends fantasy, musical, and biopic so seamlessly. That's from Amelia Harvey of Frame Rated, as we're talking about Rocket Man. A couple of biopics we're focusing on this week, not only Rocket Man, but also Harriet's uh, both those films were nominated, at least for the lead actors, Taryn Egerton and uh, Cynthia Erivo, at the recent Golden Globes. And we're going to talk all about the Golden Globes, a full recap. Let's have Ricky Gervais host everything. I know he says it's the final time he's hosting the Globes, but you talked about coming out scorching. I mean, it was that was a scorched earth monologue if there ever was one. Uh, my buddy Max Bredos, former guest of Sinophila, texted me before. He's a huge Gervais fan, as am I and I was like I think he's going to go tame and I said no I think he's going the other way I think I think if this is the last time watch out and I would I predicted there would be a Harvey Weinstein joke and he definitely saved his best for last in terms of the most cutting joke he could make The Weinstein joke came at the three-hour mark and was immediately met with horrified gasp. And Gervais, as he said, don't blame me. You're the ones who did it. You're the ones who did it. Uh, I'll tell you all about Ricky Gervais' monologue and the Golden Globe news in just a second. But as always, thank you for supporting Cinephile. I appreciate all of you so much. I hope you're having a wonderful 2020 so far. It's just amazing to even think we're in the year 2020 right now, just with the way life is. Um, But honestly, like I said, I appreciate all the support. And thanks to all of you who listened to the most recent podcast. Um, You know, As a kid, even when I was listening to... um, the radio reading entertainment weeklies. I always waited for the top tens eagerly. So I'm glad that everybody was able to listen to our top 10 of the year. And of course, weigh in with your thoughts, uh, tweeted those as well. Cinephile pod and um, appreciate everybody seeing that. Um, your comments as always are an Apple podcast. They go a long way towards keeping us rolling. So please do rate and review. This is from the Steve man, 2012 Adnan and his peeps do a great job. He asks questions of the celebrities I would ask them I would never think of that reveal excellent insights. Keep it up. The only criticism I can give is with Adnan's rapid-fire talking. Some words get garbled and hard to understand. This from a Northeasterner that hears the same thing occasionally here in Florida. <laughs> that is a valid point. I am nothing if not a fast talker. It is my uh, Achilles heel. I'll be hopefully doing this broadcasting thing for many years, and when I'm 60, somebody will say, hey, if you could just talk a little slower. I'm like, I know, I know. Uh, DDMC super informative and fun great combination been an Adnan fan for years I love his movie knowledge I enjoy Joe as well alright thank you very much so appreciate those comments coming and as always keep them rolling Um, Oscar nominations by the way are coming out next week and I think it's fair to say Taron Egerton is going to get nominated for Rocketman I was reluctant to see it couple of reasons not a huge musical fan. My friend Tim Kirchin, who I worked with at ESPN for many years, once asked me, you know, with all these movies you watch, there must be some holes in the resume. And I said, oh, of course. I mean, you can't watch everything. He's said, all right, give me some classic movies you've never seen. And I said, well, I've never seen Singing in the Rain. I've never seen West Side Story. And he's like, okay, I see a theme here developing. You are not crazy about these old school musicals. And I said, no, it's just not really. Which is interesting, you know, with our South Asian background. You'd think I'd be into Bollywood musicals all the time. But I said, no, I just... I just can't really hang with it. So in terms of Rocketman, I remember it got rave reviews when it came out in May. 87% Rotten Tomatoes and Oscar buzz for Edgerton. And I said, well, listen, I'm not a big Elton John fan. When I think of Elton John, I think of The Lion King and how schmaltzy that nonsense is. So I said, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm in the mood for Can field I Love Tonight. Uh, but it's been one of the most pleasant surprises of my uh, viewing of 2019 was how good Rocketman is. The story is, young Reginald Dwight changes his name to Elton John, collaborates with singer-songwriter Bernie Taupin to become one of the most iconic figures in pop history, set to his most beloved songs, it is the epic musical story of Elton John, his breakthrough years in the 1970s, and his fantastical transformation from shy piano prodigy to international superstar. So it is the, the familiar beat you'd expect, but it is done it in a most unexpected manner. The, the story starts out, Elton John, I mean, he's wearing just this garish, ridiculous outfit. He looks like Coco Beware. He's like a giant bird. And he goes to like a 12 steps meeting. And this is how the movie starts. This is not, you know, young boy playing a piano. It's already, he's at the height of fame. And he just announces to the entire room there of addicts that he's a drug addict. uh, He's alcoholism. uh, He's a sex addict. He's got anger issues. It's like, this is who I am. And then the movie goes back into flashback to kind of explain why he's there. And um, a couple of times they use that framing device of him talking in therapy uh, as to why his life turned out the way it does. And, Dealt with a very uh, tough childhood, you know, a father who was into jazz and Count Basie, but didn't want to listen to his son much, just wanted to listen to his jazz music and be left alone. A mom who also didn't really understand her son, wasn't able to connect with him. And so he grows up disenchanted and alone, but um, he finds music as his salvation. And again, we've seen that story before. I think oftentimes for many artists, uh, art is their salvation. But uh, in this story, what is different, of course, is the telling of it. And props to director Dexter Fletcher, because he definitely throws the kitchen sink at it. In many ways, it reminded me of a Baz Luhrmann type film, you know, just wild, crazy camera cuts and very garish and gaudy and bright and flamboyant and colors everywhere. And while that can be uh, maybe excessive to some. I thought in this instance, it worked because uh, Elton John himself has lived a flamboyant, colorful lifestyle. So why should the filmmaking not ape that as well and mimic that as well? And it really is uh, impressive to behold, especially the singing numbers. And as I said off the top, not a huge Elton John fan. And yet when I'm watching it, pretty good music here. You know, Crocodile Rock will get you humming. Uh, I'm still standing and, uh, obviously some other hits of the seventies, you know, I'm more just not into the candle in the wind stuff. But again, this is focusing on the seventies and when he was playing the piano and rock and rolling and, and things worked out in Los Angeles. Of course, on a personal level, he was uh, grappling with his sexuality, the fact that he's gay at that time, it was a, a much bigger issue, much more a stigma attached to it. Um, you know, wasn't able to announce really who he was. Uh, until later on. But ultimately, the reason to see it is Taron Egerton. I mean, it's it's a marvelous performance. When the Golden Globe nominations came out, of course, I was furious that De Niro was snubbed. And now I must admit, now that I've seen all the nominees, uh, although I still wish Bob was nominated, I, I don't have that issue normally every year where you're just you know, screaming at the heavens, how could this guy get nominated? DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is excellent. That scene in particular where he's uh, self-flagellating himself about you know, having too many whiskey sours is tremendous. I think Driver should win for Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is a great actor. I was not crazy about Joker. And if anything, I would put De Niro ahead of Joaquin Phoenix. But I understand why people like the performance. Hollywood always loves these villains, and he's very mannered and very over the top. And And I get why the film has received acclaim. The two spots that I thought maybe De Niro should have been nominated ahead of, Jonathan Price The Two Popes, which is one of my top 10 movies of the year. Price is 72 years old. He should get nominated, perhaps, for the first time ever for Best Actor. What a real surprise that movie was. And then Taron Edgerton, I was, I was fully committed to watching the movie and saying, okay, it's not that special, but he's excellent. I mean, it's a true song and dance man. He sings all of Elton John's music. His, his dancing is phenomenal. The choreography. So, you know what? Maybe it's just one of those years that, uh, unfortunately, Bob might get ignored. I still would, like I said, I've looked to see him get nominated for The Irishman, but Edgerton really holds the screen as Elton John, and it's a fun movie. As Peter Travers tweeted, it's more than a little bit funny how a great piece of acting can knock the hell out of tainted preconceptions. And... Um, I think he's right. Joe Morgensen of Wall Street Journal. The colors are stunning. The settings are striking. And the energy is irresistible. That's a great word for it. It is awfully energizing and a really fun biopic. So I'm going to give Rocketman three Maple Leafs. I was pleasantly surprised how much I liked it, Joe. Not sure if you're an Elton John fan. I'm guessing not. I'm not sure if it's the top of your list. But honestly, if uh, there's somebody in your life who likes musicals or likes Elton John, it's better than I thought.
1: Oh, I'm actually a huge Elton John fan. Yeah. I, uh, nice, there we go. Bro. Love his catalog. No, the thing I really appreciate about this movie is that Taron Egerton actually sings the songs versus just dubbing over like Remy Malik in Bohemian Rhapsody. That was Freddie Mercury's voice, you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm really uh happy that he won. It seems like he commands the screen. Do you think, I mean, this seems to be coming out after all these musical biopic's in the wake of Bohemian Rhapsody. Would you put this ahead of that movie?
0: I would. I I thought and Rhapsody was a pretty mediocre movie. As you mentioned, I didn't care for the fact Moloch didn't sing the music. And I just thought the story itself was pretty mundane and and there was nothing... You know, you watch that movie and you go, okay, what's, what's so special about it? When you watch Rocket Man... Whether you like it or not, you're going to say, no, it's definitely striking and commanding and different. And like I said, it's a musical with lots of that bright and glitz and glamour. Whereas Bohemian Rhapsody, I thought, was kind of dull, despite the fact Freddie Mercury was such an energizing guy. Aside from Moloch's performance, I didn't think the movie was notable. Whereas Rocketman, I mean, the fact that Edgerton won the Golden Globe for Best Actor, Comedy, or Musical, the fact he beats Leo is something. I still don't think he's going to win the Oscar. But uh, now I would say, listen, he got nominated for a SAG. He won the Golden Globe. He seems like a lock for Oscar nomination coming out next week. And I think it's better than Bohemian Rhapsody definitely as a movie. We move on to Harriet, which is based on the thrilling and inspirational life of an iconic American freedom fighter. Harriet tells the extraordinary tale of Harriet Tubman's escape from slavery and transformation to one of America's great heroes. Her courage, ingenuity, and tenacity freed hundreds of slaves and charged the course of history. Cynthia Erivo, excellent performance as Harriet Tubman. Uh, I think most of us would know the story, the Underground Railroad, the fact that she escaped her slave master and then helped many others escape slavery and fight towards freedom um but it's a tale that is always going to be timeless and always important to tell and the director is casey lemons who made a real burst on the scene uh, back in the day with eve's bayou roger ebert named that his best picture of the year and uh, full credit to Casey Lemons for making the story. I mean, this is not uh, a splashy $60 million biopic. So you had to scratch and claw $18 million to get this movie funded and made. I believe it's a success in terms of box office relation. It wasn't a huge hit at the box office, but at least it made back his money. And hopefully you see more stories about heroes like this. It's kind of shocking to say, you know, Barack Obama and his administration were trying to get Harriet Tubman on a $20 bill, and yet there's never been a true Hollywood story uh, devoted to her tale. Uh, but Erivo is excellent. Uh, you know, it... it it feeds familiar terrain as far as 12 years a slave in terms of just having these, you know, hideous characters abusing her. But in this instance, you know, she's believed that now she's fought for freedom. She's served her time. She can leave. And then she's told no. And then there's fear that she might get sold. So rather than have that happen, she escapes and leaves her husband, which is something I did not realize she was married at the time and escapes to Philadelphia on this crazy, like, thousand-mile trek. Like, it's just incomprehensible that, that this could happen 150 years ago, that a woman by herself would be able to overcome all that that entails. And one thing that I wish that Lemons had done a better job of was just showing how terrifying that journey must have been. Uh, I'm not asking for action movie uh, theatrics like Michael Bay, but I just would have liked to have seen how gripping that journey must have been. I mean, she, she shows that the fact she's you know traveling at night and going through water and rivers, et cetera, but I, I just thought it could have been perhaps with a little bit more intensity uh, and urgency. Having said that, um, like I said, it's a compelling story. Well, there's no question about it. When somebody's fighting for their freedom, she not only gets to Philadelphia, that's where Janelle Monet and others help her uh, good supporting cast, by the way. Clark Peters, who's so great in The Wire. He plays Ben Ross. He's actually her father, who when she tells him that she's going to escape, says, don't look at my face. So that way, when they ask me if you left, I don't have to lie. A really good, powerful scene. Um, and then you've got other <clears throat> good actors in the cast as well. Leslie Odom Jr. plays William Still, who is also helping uh, not necessarily as an abolitionist, but he's helping all slaves who are runaways get food, get shelter, etc., uh, you know, Janelle Monae, when she meets Cynthia Riva's testament to the effect of, you know, you stink right now. you got to go take a bath. We'll get you taken care of. And Cynthia Riva is so powerful as Harriet Tubman. She says, you've, you've never been a slave. You've never escaped what I've had to escape. Like, you know, sorry, I smell kind of thing. She just totally puts her in her, in her element. It's such a good scene. Uh, so ultimately, I give the film Three Maple Leafs. I wish that I had seen more about Harriet Tubman's life. I mean, literally, this picks it up from when she escapes to then helping other slaves escape. But what's so fascinating to me is the postscript that after... So many of these slaves, and she's helped like hundreds of people escape to Canada where slavery was not an issue. Um, then, in the, then in the Civil War, she was like fighting and, and really an instrumental part of that. So I would have, wouldn't would have minded seeing, you know, 10, 15 minutes devoted to that. But hopefully we get like, you know, a good four hour, six hour biopic of uh, Harriet Tubman and really kind of do it as well as possible. I did think some of the supporting cast I mentioned some were good. Joe Alwyn as Gideon Brodus, he plays the slave master. I didn't think he was particularly strong. Especially, again, when you compare it to like a 12 Years a Slave, how good Michael Fassbender was or Paul Dano. So I didn't think all the performances were strong. But again, full credit to Casey Lemons, uh, who does not bite off more than she can chew. It's a faithful telling. Cynthia Erivo has been nominated for a SAG Award for Best Actress. She's been nominated for a Golden Globe. I believe she'll get an Oscar nomination. And I also believe she's a Grammy and Tony Award winner. So she could be on a way to getting an EGOT at some point. But. Uh, As Eamon Warman writes of Empire, Erivo's impressive central performance is frequently undercut by an all-too-conventional approach. Hopefully in a few years, Tubman can get the definitive biopic she deserves. Sadly, this isn't it. And Kristen Smith says, Harriet Tubman, as the film portrays so beautifully, was a force to be reckoned with. Harriet, I'm giving three maple leaves, Joe. Good film.
1: I'll check it out. This seems like I, I was wondering if you thought Cynthia Arrivo was going to get an Oscar nomination. I know there's no voting overlap between the Golden Globes uh, or SAG Awards with the Oscars. So it's nice to hear that her performance was commanding enough that you think that she'll get
0: nominated. Yeah, no question. I think it will be uh, in the mix as well. She did not win a Golden Globe as we turn our attention towards... The Globe's Biggest Snubs and Surprises. I'll talk about Gervais in a second. In fact, I'll go to IMDb and read some of his jokes. And uh, Actually, Joe is the one who does stand-up. Maybe Joe can do his best Ricky Gervais impression. But as far as snubs and surprises, of course, Ben Lyons tweeted immediately that I would be losing my mind with the Irishman snub. I was uh, not enraged because the Hollywood Foreign Press, and this is always wor- uh, bears worth mentioning, it's a very small community. It's like 53 people, whereas the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences that votes for the Oscars is 8,000 people, and the largest branch of that is is actors which uh, according to the numbers is something like 3500 and that branch by the way used to be 6000 as of 5 years ago it has really been pushed um after the whole oscars so white issue which is uh, obviously genuine and sincere so they've had try to have more people of color more women more representation and that means that literally almost by 20% the academy has grown so first and foremost when people say oh if you won the Globe, do you win the Oscar? Not necessarily. Even by the exact arithmetic of the last 20 years, you know, films to have won Best Picture at the Globes then win Best Picture at the Oscars is only at a 50% clip. The real indication is the PGA, that is, the Producers Guild Award. Uh, as recently as a couple of years ago, I thought three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri would win the Best Picture. Motion Picture because it won the SAG Award for Best Ensemble. And I said, well, actors are the biggest branch of the Academy. But no, the PGA was awarded to Shape of Water. And Shape of Water ended up winning Best Picture. So that has not been announced yet. So let's wait for the PGA before we say, okay, this is the demise of the Irishman. But it was the favorite going in. And it goes 0 for 5. Does not win for Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, Steve Zalian, or two supporting actor nominations. Only Marriage Story had more nominations. That was also a poor showing. Six nominations. I only got the one for Laura Dern. The biggest surprise of the night, though, our best picture and best director, I had thought going in Bong Joon-ho was going to win best director. I said Hollywood Foreign Press, South Korean director, Parasite's an incredible film. It's obviously a lock for foreign film. They'll give Irishman Best Picture, but Marty will lose to Bong Joon Ho. Instead, Sam Mendes comes through with probably the biggest shock of the night. And as I have raved on this podcast, 1917 is tremendous. Again, I would like to shake my hand at the you know hands at the sky and say this is furious that Scorsese was ignored. But I'll be honest, Mendes is a hell of a director. 1917 is a breathtaking film. And so when he won, I said, all right, like that guy is obviously a huge talent. And I loved his speech. Immediately, he knows that Marty was the frontrunner and said, listen, there's not a director in this room. There's not a director alive who doesn't owe a huge debt of gratitude to Martin Scorsese. You know, I want to start with that. Marty gave him a little thank you. That so was nice. But 1917, that winning Best Picture was definitely a surprise. Again, it's Hollywood for Press. They like films more on a global scale. But this is a huge push for the movie. And as Mendes said, listen, I hope this means people will go see it in theaters. It's opening in theaters wide release this Friday. Um, So people will, will hopefully be able to see it. And listen, I watched it at home because I'm lucky enough to get these screeners. But if you can see it on the biggest, baddest screen possible, please do so, because it is worthy of the big screen treatment. And Mendes said that afterwards, you know, in this era of streaming of people not going to the movies, it's on filmmakers to make movies like this, where you say, listen, you got to see it in the theater to really appreciate it. So credit to him and guys at Christopher Nolan, who are trying to make movies for the big screen as much as possible. Uh, we'll run through a few more of these. Also, Edgerton winning Best Actor. Not a total shocker, but again, a little bit of a surprise that he beats DiCaprio and a comedy powerhouse in Eddie Murphy. Uh, Missing Link, this was a shock that it won Best Animated Feature. Made $26 million worldwide. Think about that. That's less than all its competitors made on their opening weekends. Uh, about a Sasquatch looking for his relatives. This is knocking out Lion King, Frozen 2, and Toy Story 4. Um, even How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. So they, I think even the director, Chris Butler, he seemed surprised when he went up there for the win. So I don't know what the hell that means for Missing Link in the Oscars. Jojo Rabbit also snubbed, um, again, heavy competition. It's a dark comedy. It did win the Best Picture at the Toronto Film Festival at Audience Award, but I don't know if it's going to be able to, to make any room in what is a crowded field. Um, also a big snub, Andrew Scott for Fleabag. He was the Irish actor who was a favorite to win, but what this means is I was over the moon. Of course, my my biggest uh, moment of glee was when Rami Yusuf went right out of the gate, as people know here in Cinephile. I raved about the show when it first came out, a self-titled Hulu series in which he stars and produces, writes and directs. It's been critically acclaimed and his speech was so funny after Gervais's cutting monologue in which he said don't go up here and make a statement because you don't have anything to talk about you know you're not educated people thank your God and move on and Yusuf without mentioning a beat says okay well I will thank my God Allahu Akbar uh, which means you know all praise to God and uh, he goes into his speech which was really funny He said, listen I know none of you have seen the show everyone starts laughing you probably think I'm like some editor but we did a show about an Arab Muslim family growing up in New Jersey and, and here we are so I, I was just so happy for him it's a great great show I hope people check it out. The fact he knocked out Michael Douglas, even in his speech, he said, listen, even my mom was cheering for Michael Douglas, who has a long history with the HFPA. He won the Cecil B. DeMille Award. I mean, that is, I- I'm not crazy with the Hollywood Foreign Press. I think the Globes sometimes are a joke. We can all look at the tourist <laughs> and the nomination it got. The fact that Martian was once nominated for best motion picture, musical, or comedy. But sometimes the Globes get it right. In the case of Rami Youssef, the fact he won, there's absolutely going to be people who go, oh, you know what? This guy won best actor. I'm going to check out the show and I hope the people really enjoy it as much as I do um also the morning show was snubbed from coming from apple plus you never know sometimes they go with you know these star stud shows although i haven't seen it can't speak to it succession i know people rave about it happy to see brian coxman although his speech was a little bit odd in which he, he apologized to his fellow nominees for writing he thought this would never happen to me so it was nice to see his humility meryl streep also snubbed for big little lies um ultimately i think it was a good award show and the whole key of course was ricky gervais everyone knows that he is going to take shots at the Academy, at uh, all these actors, all these people, and he just went all over the place. I mean, this is the fifth time that he hosted. And this is after recent transphobic tweets controversy caused many raised eyebrows. So even some people weren't sure they were going to even have him host. But he went all after him. He called the HFPA racist. He commented on the vegan menu. He <laughs> made fun of Judy Dench. He made fun of the show Cats. I mean, Joe, this was relentless what Ricky Gervais did. He was, he was guns blazing out of the gate.
1: Oh, yeah. And I actually really liked his Martin Scorsese joke, too, where he compared yes. cinema to theme park. He was like, I don't know what he's doing at theme parks. It's too short to ride the rides, you know, and <laughs> Bob De Niro really seemed to like that joke, too.
0: The key is, you know, if you're getting roasted at a roast. And by the way, Scorsese and De Niro are huge Don Rickles fans. And if you've ever seen any casino outtakes, like Rickles is just... Maybe De Niro messes up in one scene and Rickles is just crushing him. He crushes Marty, makes fun of him publicly. That's that's who he was. So those guys know that era. And when Gervais made that joke, which I agree that was really funny, you know, De Niro particularly, he's really enjoying it. Even if you don't find it funny, you got to laugh along because I always feel like as a comedian, if you see the guy upset, you go right after him. He made a joke Gervais did about a big year for pedophilia, the Finding Neverland documentary, Surviving R. Kelly and the Two Popes, you know, of course, referring to... Uh, Unfortunately, the Catholic Church and history of, of that type of abuse. They cut to a shot of Jonathan Price, and he looks so pissed. And I'm like, "Listen, man, when he sees your reaction, he's gonna get, he's gonna go at you more." Just, I know it's hard, but just fight through it. He made fun of Leo, so the Irishman's so long. By the end of it, Leo's date was too old, and you see DiCaprio giving a big hearty laugh. Right again, I don't know how much they're enjoying the joke, Joe, but you gotta laugh through it. And I, I think DiCaprio is a good sport. He knows it's coming, but. Right, that's the key as a comedian. You gotta you gotta laugh along with it because otherwise it's gonna get worse.
1: Oh yeah, you gotta go. You just you just gotta go with it. Otherwise they'll put their heat-seeking missiles
0: right on you and just go at you the entire time. So, right. Hanks was not made fun of, but it was smartly the director cut to him at least three times during the monologue, like, just looking shocked, like he wasn't angry, he wasn't upset, but he was just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you said that." It was almost like Hanks. Come on, you don't know what this guy's about, but even <laughs> he, I'm sure he does. He just was surprised at the way that. Uh, he was going about it. Also, my friend Cabbie, who's so funny, of course, recent guest on Cinephile. he texted me after Tarantino won for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, by the way, which is something I completely disagree with. Uh, even Quentin said in the speech, I can't believe I beat Steve Zalian, which should be noted. Tarantino is nominated for original screenplay when it comes to the Oscars. I'm sure he's going to get nominated, obviously. And Zalian is the favorite to win for adapted screenplay. So thankfully, they will not be going head to head at the Oscars. But. Even Q T said, "Wow, I can't believe I beat Zalian. And then said, "I because when you write a script by yourself, you have no one to thank," which is what Cab texted me, and he said, "Is anybody more insufferable than Tarantino? There's no question. The ego on that guy is about as big as it gets." And uh, I think Noah Baumbach should went for Marriage Story. God, if Tarantino beats him at the Oscars, that's that's outrageous. I mean, what uh, what Baumbach to a Marriage Story really is uh, uh, quite a testament to, I think, to a great great script. Um, other than that, Laura Dern winning supporting actress. As soon as I saw a marriage story, I said, she's going to win. She deserves it. I thought the Hollywood foreign press might go with Lo just because the big name and star power, but they made the right decision in terms of Laura Dern winning. Uh, the one that I actually thought was the worst one of the night, The one I most disagree with. I've said often about my, uh, lack of uh, support of Joker. But actually, the best actor I saw coming, and I, and I like Joaquin Phoenix a lot. I loved Walk the Line. I wish he'd won an Oscar for that. So I'm like, okay, it's fine. This, this happens, right? These guys win for roles that they shouldn't win for. Denzel wins for Training Day. Pacino wins for Sente will win. Fine. If he's going to win for Joker, I guess that's life. But the one that I thought was absurd was that uh, Hildur Gutnador won for Best Score. And I've been very lucky this year as a member of the BFCA, Broadcast Film Critics Association, Getting all these soundtracks. Joe, I've never had more soundtracks in my life. I've had at least 12 to 15 sent to me. So I've actually listened to all of these. As you said, when you had Motherless Brooklyn in your top ten, I said, it's a great soundtrack. I got it in the car. Daniel Pepperton was nominated for score, which I love to see. Desplat's always a nominee. He won for Shape of Water. He did Little Women, which is a good one. Randy Newman, Marriage Story, again, huge name. I didn't think the score was that special. I actually threw the CD out. I mean, it was fine. But the Hilders, like the Joker score is okay. I mean, it's just kind of the same thing. Thomas Newman's score for 1917 is incredible. My favorite score of all time is James Horner for glory. There's something about these war scores that are just incredible. And wait until you see 1917 and listen to the music. Thomas Newman, again, is a huge name. He's a perennial nominee. The fact that he lost to Hilder. I mean, that was, people always say, what's the worst step of the night? That was the one to me. I'm like, wait, Hilder beat Thomas Newman for best score? outrageous i was listen supporting actor again i saw that one coming brad pitt's gonna win an oscar i get it do i want pacino and pesci to win sure but it's going to be brad pitt um but that one (laughs) i never thought i'd be appalled about best score but that's what got my goat
1: oh man i i feel bad for not having seen the joker now to compare it to because you've told me again and again that it's just dark and dark and dark but it just seems like the Joker is getting more attention and love that it seems you you feel that it it deserves at this moment.
0: No question. I mean, he's going to get nominated for Best Actor. I think it's now going to get nominated for Best Picture, and I'm really concerned Todd Phillips gets nominated for Best Director. The nominees, by the way, at the Globes were Scorsese, Tarantino, Bong Joon Ho, and Todd Phillips. Those, excuse me, and uh, Sam Mendes, who won. And then Phillips is the wildcard. I'm I'm praying upon praying that Bombback gets nominated for director. Even Greta Gerwig for Little Women ahead of Todd Phillips. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Those four are definitely locks. And again, uh, the DGA is a a better indicator of who will win. Bendis' win is definitely a big note. Uh, But the DGA, that's the Directors Guild of America. That is a pretty safe bet of who wins Best Director. Generally, if you win that, you have like an 80 to 90% chance of winning Best Director at the Oscars. So in the past, when Inaritu won, Guillermo del Toro, if Bong Joon-ho, who I believe still is going to win the uh, DGA, that I think he wins the Best Director Oscar. If Marty wins the DGA, then I think Scorsese will win a second Oscar. And of course, if Mendez does, then I think 1917 will be a locomotive that will not be stopped. Renee Zellweger, by the way, as expected, wins for Judy. If you want to make some money, easy money, go ahead and put your freaking life savings on the fact she's going to win Best Actress. That one is a feta complete. That is our Golden Globes Recap. All right, Joe is our comedian. He has done stand-up before. He's been on the podcast before. You don't have to do it as Gervais, but I want you to hit us here on some of the best jokes of the night. You'll be
1: pleased to know this is the last time I'll be hosting these awards, so I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I, n- I never did. <laughs> NBC clearly doesn't either. Kevin Hart was fired from the Oscars because of some offensive tweets. Hello. Lucky for me, the Hollywood Foreign Press barely speaks English. They they have no idea what Twitter is. <laughs> Let's go out with a bang. Let's have a laugh. Uh, Remember, they're just jokes, and we're all going to die soon, and there's no sequel. (laughs) I came here in a limo tonight, and the license plate was made by Felicity Huffman. No, no, it's her (laughs) daughter I feel sorry for. That must have been the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to her. And her dad was in Wild Hogs.
0: (laughs) I like that one in particular. Travolta, (laughs) horrible movie with Bill Macy.
1: We were going to do an in memoriam tonight, but when I saw the list, it wasn't diverse enough. It was mostly white people, and I thought, no, not on my watch.
0: <laughs> Great delivery by Gervais. And then he ends up saying, we'll see what happens this year. Maybe a white people will do it next year.
1: No one cares about movies anymore. No one goes to cinema. This show should just be coming out and going, well, Netflix, you've won everything. You could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching the show. That's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife has cancer and it's more fun than this.
0: <laughs> Cutting.
1: Spoiler alert, season two is on the way, uh so obviously he didn't kill himself, just like Jeffrey Epstein. Shut up, I know I know you're friends with him, but I don't care. <laughs> that was the first
0: like ooh of the night. <laughs>
1: Martin Scorsese, the greatest living director, made the news for his controversial comments about the Marvel franchise. He said they're not real cinema, and they reminded him of theme parks. I agree. Although, I don't know what he's doing hanging around theme parks. He's not big enough to ride the rides. Is he? (laughs) The Irishman was amazing. It was the only epic movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was nearly three hours long. Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere, and by the end, his date was too old for him. Leo, big laugh. And then here's the last joke that he has said of his monologue. He goes, so if you win an award tonight, don't use your platform to make a political speech. You're no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if you want to come up, accept your award. Thank your God and F off.
0: <laughs> and scene and, and uh, for scene. the Weinstein joke. You can look that up later on. But uh, Joe did a good job of uh, <laughs> just going through what Gervais said. It's still amazing. Uh, Honestly, when you hire them, you know what you're going to get. So I hope the Globes are happy. I didn't see the ratings. I think the ratings were up. I have not actually double checked. But I just saw, as Joe was reading those, the BAFTA nominations came out today. So let's do this real quick. Uh, No big surprises here. Although this is, again, nauseating to me. Joker leads all films 11 nominations. That movie's definitely getting nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman tie for second with 10 each. 1917 has nine. Jojo Rabbit, six. Marriage Story of the Two Popes and Little Women receiving five apiece. That's interesting. Little Women is the one that was snubbed so far. Did Not nominate at the SAGs. Saoirse Ronan was not nominated Best Actress, but she is nominated at the Baftas for Best Actress. So... Keep an eye on that. Not sure exactly how that's going to go. Best Picture nominees, 1917, The Irishman, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. So those five now feel like locks. Uh, Best Director I mentioned before, unfortunately, Todd Phillips nominated again. So it's QT, Bong Joon-ho, Marty, Mendez, and Phillips. So that's exactly what the Globes did. The Best Actor is, again, exactly what the Globes did. Leo, Driver, Edgerton, Phoenix, Jonathan Price. Again, De Niro snubbed actress is again close. Uh, This time Saoirse Ronan in Theron for Bombshell. Renee Zellweger, Judy's going to win. Johansson Marriage Story and the surprise is Jesse Buckley for Wild Rose. Supporting actor, exactly what the Globes did. Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Pacino and Pesci for The Irishman. Brad Pitt's going to win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's never won an Oscar. Now is his time and I think he'll win the BAFTA as well. Supporting actress, bit of a surprise here. Margot Robbie nominated twice, not only for Bombshell but also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What, What a terrible nomination. She's in the movie like 15 minutes. She has no depth to her character. It's one of the biggest weaknesses of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so that's a garbage nomination. Scarjo up for Jojo Rabbit, which I was happy to see. I actually said I think the Oscars should nominate her both for lead and supporting actress. Laura Derns nominated Florence Pugh for Little Women. That was uh, different from the Oscars. So no Jennifer Lopez for supporting actress Hustlers. That could be interesting. Maybe she'll get snubbed. Uh, for the Oscars. And then quickly, screenplay, thrilled to see The Irishman, uh, Steve Zellian, for Adapted. Again, this separates what the Oscars does. Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and the Two Popes. And the original screenplay, God, I'd love to see Parasite or Noah Baumbach win. Tarantino's obviously nominated. Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. And Booksmart, which is one of my favorite comedies of the year. I had Booksmart honorable mentions. Be, that would be nice to see a comedy like that recognized for at least original screenplay. Uh, cinematography, by the way, movie we haven't talked about. I know Joe and I reviewed it, which is The Lighthouse. That got nominated for Cinematography from the BAFTAs. So maybe that'll get a nomination in there. Uh, And away we go. So that's the BAFTAs. That is the British Academy Awards. Last one before we move on to Mount Rushmore. I haven't talked much about Best Documentaries. I got a ton of docs sent to me. I mean, it's so good, these screeners. So I haven't actually dived into these yet, the uh, the Mark Simon file, until I want to see what gets nominated. But here are the nominees. I have all these sitting on my uh, kitchen table upstairs. American Factory, Apollo 11. It's a great space movie. Diego Maradona by Asif Kapadia. I know that was on HBO. Adam Amin, recent guest of the podcast. He loved the Maradona documentary. So as a sports guy, curious to see that. For Sama, which I've heard of as well. And The Great Hack, which is a technological film talking about, obviously, hacking and computers. Forsama, I cannot remember the country, but it's a... I believe it's about Syria and the refugee crisis. So those are your best documentary nominees. And Best Foreign Language Film. We all know Parasite's going to win. But Pain and Glory, which Benderis was nominated for the uh, Almodovar film, that got nominated. And Portrait of a Lady, which I have upstairs as well. Apparently a really good French film. So looking forward to that. All right. That's your Golden Globes recap. Now on to Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. All right, now it's time for the Mount Rushmore of biopics in honor of the fact we're focusing on biopics here. But not only Rocket Man, but also Harriet. So uh, let's see the best ones of all time. Raging Bull for me is a no-brainer, one of the great films of all time. So I'm putting that one obviously in my uh, no-brainer here of number one. Malcolm X is one of my top ten movies of all time. So those are two easy ones out of the gate. Raging Bull, the story of Jake LaMotta, and Malcolm X for me one of Spike Lee's greatest films along with Do the Right Thing. Now it gets tricky because now you've got a lot of other great ones. Listen, I'd love to get something like American Splendor in there, the great Paul Giamatti movie. Born to be Blue is a very underrated Ethan Hawke movie. I mean, I love that film. And uh, I met Ethan Hawke at Sundance a few years ago, and I mentioned that movie to him, and he was happy that I had seen an Independent film, it's great. Uh, that's not going to quite make my cut out the Mount Rushmore of all time. I just want to give it a mention. Gandhi is notable. I don't think it's one of the greats of all time, but it should get a nomination. Lawrence of Arabia is in the mix. My left foot is pretty good. I mean, that was Daniel Day-Lewis's, uh, certainly his arrival as a great, great actor. I do want to mention The Hurricane from Denzel. Amazing. I will throw in Walk the Line because of my love of Johnny Cash. And just as a mea culpa to Joaquin Phoenix as I'm dumping on Joker, I will give him props for that. So that's in my Mount Rushmore, the Johnny Cash story. And of course, you know who's great in that movie is Reese Witherspoon. She won the Academy Award as June Carter Cash. She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. And that means there's only one slot left. God, I'd love to get Social Network in there, but I feel like Joe will. So Joe is going to pick me up with that. I'm not going to include The Aviator, although I'd like to get Howard Hughes in. King's Speech is awfully good. Straight out of Compton. I will go with What's Love Got to Do With It? How about that one? I'll give you a Tina Turner biopic with Lawrence Fishburne. That's a great film that came out back in 1993. Both those two were nominated for Academy Awards. I remember that just being a powerful story about domestic abuse. And uh, obviously with Tina Turner, her Perseverance was pretty amazing. All right, so I'll lastly go with what's love got to do with it. Joe, how about you? What's your Mount Rushmore biopics?
1: All right, I I am going to pick you up on the social network. I will add that. And I think Raging Bull is a no-brainer. It's tough. There's so many good movies here. And so I'm going to add The King's Speech. Love that movie. Colin Firth in it. It's so incredible. And it's just a gorgeous movie, I thought. And I'm right with you. Born to be blue. I'm throwing on mine. I love Chet Baker. He's yes. my all-time favorite jazz artist. And so I'm glad you gave that love. I'm going to throw that on my uh, Mount Rushmore as well. Born to be blue. Everyone see that.
0: Oh, how a boy, Joe. Listen, I hope everybody listening to this podcast, do me one favor, please. Go watch Born to be blue. I was raving with this movie. Uh, those long fans of cinephile from years ago know when I raved about it. I, I love that. I'm with you. Chet Baker, my funny Valentine, the fact that uh, Hawke. Uh, portrays the heroin addiction short movie 90 minutes i mean the last scene where he's back on stage again and his uh you know lover knows that he's back on the juice i mean it's uh, i'm with you i'm so glad you've seen born to be blue that's awesome that's that's the height of our mount rushmore biopics go see it and uh, of course weighing with your picks maybe somebody out there's gonna vote for lincoln or the or the buddy holly story gary Busey fans tweet us cinephile pod or adnan s virk now it's time for total recall Total
1: Recall.
0: All right, for Total Recall, really fun segment. I'm glad me and Joe are having so much fun with this. I hope all of you enjoyed as well. We're doing the films from 2011. This is the 2012 Oscars for Total Recall. In case you're new to Cinephile, we go through all the major categories and recast them with who we think should have won. Best picture, Joe. Who we got?
1: We have The Artist, The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Help, Hugo. Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, The Tree of Life, and War Horse. A lot of them.
0: Yeah, I remember this year being all over the map. The artists I did love, and I was happy at one best picture, and I probably would give it a best picture as much as I enjoyed Hugo, because it was different and obviously different from Marty. And Moneyball obviously is a baseball guy I love, but I remember going like, are you kidding me? Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close was one of the worst movies of that year. I thought it was horrific. I mean, it's so pandering towards everybody who suffered through the unimaginable tragedy of 9-11, but it was not a good movie. Apparently the book is much, much better. The Help, I thought, was a fairly average movie aside from um, Octavia Spencer, who did win an Oscar, I believe. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, War Horse, I did not think it was one of Spielberg's best movies. I'm shocked that it was not for Best Picture. I mean, three of them, I was like, are you kidding? These are not, there's nowhere close to Best Picture nominees. But Tree of Life was very polarizing. I mean, I like Malik, it's different. But again, I, I'm shocked they actually made the cut for Best Picture of the Year. I really like Midnight in Paris, uh, Woody Allison's foibles aside. I love the script, I love Hemingway, obviously. And uh, The Descendants I loved a lot. I probably might have put Descendants as uh, number two on this ballot. But The Artist, to have a silent movie in this era and to do it so well with a real love of Hollywood and love of old school movies, I was actually really happy it won Best Picture.
1: I agree with you. I think The Artist was... I mean, it's hard to... Hollywood loves nostalgia, especially Hollywood nostalgia. So the fact that they were able to pull it off and do it so well I would give it to The Artist.
0: All right. How about Best Director?
1: We have Michelle Hazanavicius.
0: Yeah, I never knew how to pronounce the one. avicious, I think, yeah. Hazanavicious
1: Al- <laughs> for the artist. Frankly, that's the key. <laughs> uh, Alexander Payne Martin Scors- uh, for The Descendants, Martin Scorsese for Hugo, Woody Allen for Midnight in Paris, Terrence Malick, The Tree of Life.
0: Well, I would have loved to have seen Marty went for Hugo. As I said, it was much different seeing him make a kids movie, and it was something very close to his heart in terms of you know, making. I mean, literally, it's a kids' movie about film preservation, which some people I remember didn't like. I remember Owen Gleiberman. I talked to him about. It, and he was like, "What the hell is this movie?" Like, literally, it's supposed to be a kids' movie, but Marty's just putting his own passions into it. It's about Georges Méliès and like, you know, trip to the moon and like, what what is this about? But I actually really loved it because the first hour reminded me of like a Dickensian tale. You know, Charles Dickens, these poor kids, this orphan child, uh, Ace of Butterfield. And then all of a sudden it ends up being this Ben Kingsley story, which I thought was a real, really uh, cool, inventive way of doing it. But having said all of that, I wouldn't have given him best director for it. Definitely wouldn't give it to Woody Allen, although I love the script. Malick is a great director and certainly Tree of Life exists on that, but I don't think it was strong start to finish. So Hasn't a Vicious, I have no issue with, but I would have given it to Alexander Payne. I, I mean, I just love his work. I love Sideways. I love Nebraska. And The Descendants was a really strong movie about grief and one of Clooney's best performances. I probably would have gone with Alexander Payne for Best Director.
1: Yeah, I have no I have no qualms there. I think I, I would still give Michelle Hunnizavis, uh the edge. But I, I will say, even though I know Marty was kind of snubbed this year, but Hugo won all the technical awards this year for sound, yes. um, editing, and mixing. I, I just love that movie so much. And the sound yeah. plays such a big role in that movie, too.
0: Yeah, you would know it, especially as a guy who's so w- well-versed in sound and sound engineering. I, I believe it won five Oscars that year, it's led the way. I think the artist won four. We'd have to double-check on that. But I, I remember thinking, hey, Hugo actually won the most Oscars that year. And as you said, when it came to production design, those technical categories, it, I mean, it's a very, very expensive movie. It was Graham King. I spoke with the fact, the producer, that it kept him up all night. and The amount of money he lost on it. But he said, hopefully, it's one of those movies people will watch years from now. And I'm with you. I thought it was a really special movie. Best actor.
1: We have Jean Dujardin. Damian Bashir, George Clooney for The Descendants, Gary Oldman for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and Brad Pitt from Moneyball.
0: I was really happy Brad Pitt got nominated. It's uh, Dallas Braden, my old uh, friend, tells me, Oakland A's pitcher, that Billy Bean would always tell everybody, oh, by the way, Brad Pitt played me. The world's sexiest <laughs> man. That shows how good looking I am. Um... Oldman is George Smiley. I wasn't crazy about um, Damien Bashir was great in a better life. I remember having to watch it cause it got nominated and it's a story about uh, we're very timely now with immigration and illegal immigrants. He plays an illegal Mexican immigrant who is looking for a better life. Hence the appropriate title for his son. And he's got a great scene at the end. Once he gets deported, and when she's telling his son, I love you, mijo, it's, uh, I thought it was one of the best scenes in the movie. And I really did love that movie. So I actually would have liked to have seen... I was happy sure got nominated. I don't know if I would give him the win. Dujardin was amazing because he really comes across as one of these song and dance men and uh, of that era. And he's he's so smooth and so charming. I would have voted for Clooney, though. I thought his scenes, you know, the fact his wife dies, he found that she cheated on him. That showed the range of Clooney as a great leading man. I mean, he literally goes from comic moments. He's running around in his flip-flops going to confront the neighbor At the same time, the tragedy of losing his wife, the sadness he's going through as a widower, I thought Clooney was uh, one of his best. I would have voted for him for best actor.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I I think George Clooney, too. I I rewatched The Descendants probably six months ago, and he's great in it, so I would give it to him as well.
0: How about best actress?
1: Meryl Streep, The Iron Lady, Glenn Close, Albert Knobs, Viola Davis, The Help, Rooney Mara, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Michelle Williams, My Week with Maryland.
0: I can't remember if I saw my week with Marilyn or if it was so forgettable, I didn't think much of it, but I remember Michelle Williams. Was, I think I did see it. I just didn't think it was particularly special. But I remember she got nine best actress. Girl the Dragon done too, was entertaining. Again, Rooney Mara got nominated. I'm fine with that. I might have gone with Viola Davis, to be honest with you. I, I remember the Iron Lady I thought was fine, but I did not think it was one of Meryl Streep's best performances. And the fact she won, I was genuinely surprised by, which is funny to say when you, she gets nominated like 20 times, but I was like, no, she's not going to win. Oh, yep, she just won again. And that was her third, I believe, uh, Academy Award. Glenn Close's Albert Knopf definitely disappeared into the role of a woman impersonating a man, but I, I probably would have gone with, I, I said earlier, I wasn't crazy about the help, but I would have gone with either Merrill or probably Viola Davis for the help. What do you think?
1: I think I'm going to go with Meryl Streep for the Iron Lady on this. Um, I, I, yeah, I haven't seen either movie in quite some time, but I, I did like Merrill's performance in it. You're right, it's probably not her best one, but it, it would be either her or Viola Davis. It has yeah. to be.
0: Because it wasn't really a strong category. How about Best Supporting Actor?
1: We have Christopher Plummer for Beginners, Kenneth Branagh for My Week with Marilyn, Jonah Hill, Moneyball, Nick Nolte, Warrior, and Max von Sydow, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close.
0: Uh, I mean, listen, Max von Sydow's a great actor, but again, bad movie, didn't think it was a particularly notable performance. Plummer won the Lifetime Achievement Award. I wasn't crazy, excuse me, about Beginners. Brian, I love as an actor. I don't really remember his performance as Olivia, I'll be honest. So I would have gone with either Jonah Hill, who was really funny as Peter Brandon Moneyball. I probably would have gone with Nolte, Lifetime Achievement Award. He didn't win for Affliction. You know, obviously 48 Hours, you name it. He's been a great actor for a long, long time. The Good Thief. I would have gone for him. I remember P- Patty Collin, he was good. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, it's actually a good, you never really see a lot of MMA movies. That was like the first MMA film and it was gritty and, and well shot and he plays his father. who's trying to reconnect with his family. He's an alcoholic and maybe there are some shades of Nolte, his own biography in the performance. But yeah, I would have gone with Nick Nolte. I'm going to go with uh, Jonah Hill
1: just to give Moneyball a little more love on the list. Yeah, I lo- love that movie and I loved his performance in it. So Jonah Hill. I love
0: it. Supporting Actress.
1: Octavia Spencer, The Help. Berenice Beho, The Artist. Jessica Chastain, The Help. Melissa McCarthy, Bridesmaids. Janet McTeer, Albert Knobs.
0: You know what? Why not Melissa McCarthy? We should give some love to comedies here. She was unbelievable in Bridesmaids. That announced her as a major comic force to see when she's taking a dump in the sink. I mean, you don't see enough comedic performances ever recognized. Once in a while, you see them in supporting categories. Kevin Kline won an Oscar for a supporting actor, Fish Called Wanda. Don't Call Me Stupid. I didn't have an issue with Spencer winning. She was really good in The Help, but I would have gone with Melissa McCarthy.
1: Yeah, she's great in that. I, I just, for the sake of the uh, of Total Recall, I will go with Octavia Spencer for The Help, but you're right. Comedy is never recognized at the Oscars. For Best Picture, too, there's a lot of really good comedies that I feel should have been at least nominated for Best Picture that never are, so I don't disagree with their choice at all.
0: Original screenplay.
1: Midnight in Paris, Woody Allen. The Artist... Bridesmaids, Margin Call, A Separation.
0: Yeah, Margin Call from J.C. Shandor. I mean, that was a a very talky movie, good script. Uh, Bridesmaids is really funny. Again, I would like to see more comedies get nominated. The artist, I don't think the strength was the screenplay. I mean, there's not much dialogue in the movie. It's a silent movie. Midnight in Paris was pretty great. Um, Again, Woody Allen's off-the-field action, so to speak. Obviously, a lot of people have issues with. um, But I did think it was a very funny, whimsical, inventive script you know, it dealt with history and nostalgia, and Owen Wilson was really good, but I would have gone with The Separation. I was so happy. The movie won for Best Foreign Film, and it's a brilliant script. I mean, you talk about, it's a story, but uh, it's set in Iran, to a man and woman going through a divorce, and uh, the father's looking after his elderly dad, who's uh, very sick, and then the daughter gets embroiled, and if you've never seen A Separation, it's an Great script. I remember Ebert named it Best Picture that year, and I'm thinking, okay, what's so special about this foreign film ahead of The artists and The Descendants? And then I saw it, it blew me away. So Farhadi, the uh, writer-director, he won for Best Foreign Film, but I would have loved to have seen it win for Best Original Screenplay. It's an awesome script.
1: I've never seen it, but I will definitely check it out now. I will, I'm going to give it to Bridesmaids just to give a little bit more love to comedies.
0: Yeah, it would have been nice to see Kristen Wiig win an Oscar. How about Best Adapted Screenplay? We
1: have The Descendants, Hugo, The Ides of March, Moneyball, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy.
0: How about the heavyweights who wrote Moneyball? Steve Zellian and Aaron Sorkin. Zellian, I believe, uh, is definitely going to get nominated for The Irishman, hopefully win. Of course, Sorkin's work speaks for itself. He won uh, previously for The Social Network. Ides of March, I thought was a great movie. I mean, I love that cast. Uh, especially Philip Seymour Hoffman and Paul Giamatti. They were both fantastic in that movie. I thought Clooney really did a good job with it, got ignored in all the major categories, did get this screenplay nomination, so it was nice that George at least got something, and his longtime producing partner, Grant Hesloff. Hugo, I never actually read the invention of Hugo Cabret, so I can't really speak to the adaptation, but good script by John Logan, who also wrote the artist, but I actually thought that the Oscars nailed it. The Descendants, I was so happy to see Alexander Payne win an Academy Award. He's a great writer, excellent director, so I was happy to win Best Adapted Screenplay for The Descendants. I'm gonna go with Moneyball. All right, enjoying uh, Total Recall. Once again, you can tweet us, send a file pod, or add me an S. Burke. Let us know what year you want to do next time. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. Subscribe, rate, and review. Next week we will be back with reviews of two films, including Dark Waters and The Report. The Report, starring Adam Driver. Dark Waters, starring Mark Ruffalo. Stories about. Uh, men seeking justice and trying to overcome the bad guys and we'll also review the Academy Award nominations which come out next week once again thank you so much props to my man Joe thanks to Ricky Gervais and until then I'll see you at the movies